Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Maria. And we are super excited to have you guys for episode 39. It is 19th Century Capitalism Part 1, Competition and Profit Above All. That's kind of what we're going to dive into today. We're also going to talk a little bit about some dirty work and this thing called partable paternity that Christopher Ryan writes about that I think is interesting and an Eric Fromm political party. Yes, that's what we're going to do. Sonia, what's up? Just here, getting ready for another night of rethinking humanity. Yeah, yeah, we're a little early uh, in the week to today. I mean, well, this week we're a little earlier than we normally are, but we're happy to be here and glad to see you guys. Um, want to just invite you all to follow us on Instagram at Rethinking Humanity, to subscribe on YouTube, and also check out our website, which is RethinkingHumanity.us. That that thing is updated, and it's pretty cool. So check it out. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, Sonia, what have you been reading? Um, I think I sent you a few things. We, Lacey and I like to share uh, articles and. One of them um, that I sent you on, um, tell me the title again. See, I'm not even remembering the title, but I remember what it was about. The Morally Troubling Dirty Work We Pay yes. Others to Do in Our Place. Yes. Not um, dramatic title or anything. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Um, it was really interesting because I think we c- we're all aware that there are jobs out there that none of us would like to do, but people are doing them behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And there's some moral issues. They individuals aren't getting paid very much. They're usually very low wages. And yet Mm. at the same time, we're benefiting from that work. And the article kind of covers a lot of different jobs, but I know there was a part of this that you uh, really touched you, Lacey. Yeah. One of the things it talks about is, uh, you know, folks who are working with the mentally ill and, in in the in within the prison system, I believe is kind of how mm-hmm. the context mm-hmm. of that. And basically, these folks get put into prison because in the 1970s, uh, s- like psychiatric hospitals started to close, which is something I've heard a little bit about, mm-hmm. but um, don't know a whole lot of details about. But I but I love this. Um, it says, since the closure of many state psychiatric hospitals beginning in the 1970s, mentally ill people have often been held in prisons. Their psychological torment is not incomprehensible to educated Americans. Our literary culture is powerfully rooted in experience of depression, mania, and psychosis. Mm-hmm. So anyways, the point is, is that we're throwing sick people into jail because they're sick. And that right. is disgusting to me. It's very, very sad. It is sad. Um, also in the article, it talks about these individuals that are working in this environment and they're prone to obviously like suicide, mm-hmm. depression. I mean, the, it's a very, if you can imagine going into your job every day and then trying to disconnect from the work that you're doing, mm-hmm. knowing that you're seeing, you know, some horrific things right. and then having to go back home. And so I think, you know, it's not front and center. We don't hear about this. Always. So what really hit me because I thought we talk about Eric Fromm and we talk about a more humane society. And I'm Mm. sure Fromm would say this is not the society that we, you know, want to be living in. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it, it talks about like the psychiatrists who actually work in these prisons and work with these patients. Um, I think psychiatrists, maybe it's the prison workers, but anyway, they're like so stressed out mm-hmm. losing their hair. And right. the thing it mentions is like a person who has to kill uh, animals for yes. for like the food industry. Right. For that part. Yes, I remember that part. And uh, it, it talks about they actually quote in the article, which um, if you read it, they'll quote different philosophers. But it talks about how, you know, a human being can go from being we think that that we have this moral compass. But then the human beings are having to act in a certain way that's very immoral. Mm. And so it becomes like normalized. Yeah, which of course, inside of yourself, your the soul is you're struggling because if you're having to commit acts like inhumane acts daily in your work, whether it's you know towards animals or human beings, that would be, you know, very a very tough environment to be in. It reminds me of one of the episodes that we did um, earlier in the first season. It was on bureaucracy. And how what happens mm-hmm. as a result of bureaucracy is we have people who are just simply following orders right. and doing things that are damaging to other human beings. And they really don't want to do. It's not right. really in line with their values, but they just think that they have to do that. That's exactly what the article saying. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it looks like there's a book um, of the same title. So uh, it might be an interesting book to read, but super good topic. Yeah. and oh. Mm, sad, sad yeah. about these sad. things. And, and we talked about this earlier, Lacey, um, our, uh, you know, our country, we're one of the wealthiest countries. And, you know, the fact that we're doing this to, it's just horrific. Like you said, the mental health thing is huge. It's huge. It's like, literally guys, it's like, if I had a broken arm mm. and somebody put me in prison, right. because I have a broken arm. Yeah. I'm sick. I need to be treated. I don't need to go to jail because I'm sick. It, it's yeah. Baffling. It makes no sense. Yeah. It's baffling. Agree. Agree. Very, so very, check very out the article out guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's a New York. <laughs> the, you know, uh, the other thing I was, I was reading this week, Sonia, this is the second time I've read this book. And, um, I think it's a very interesting book. Christopher Ryan, uh, wrote this book called sex at dawn and it's, really a study of how we lived before the onset of agriculture. One of the hypotheses is that we are not naturally monogamous species. And there's a lot of physiological and archaeological evidence that he points to in the book. Um, But what I find to be so fascinating about what he's saying is there's multiple things, but really it's just how people lived in hunter-gatherer societies. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think is so interesting, and we talked a lot about this on our podcast, is how important community is. And that is something that is a struggle for us now, to the point where like, we were in the coffee shop today where we met, and there's a sign for a group that's like talking about how bad it is and how hard it is for adults to find friends and the statistics around it. And it's like an app and a you know website that people can go to to like connect and go on hikes together and build friendships, like. <laughs> so, anyways, the community element is something that is a struggle for us now, but then it wasn't, and um, 
And so anyways, there's, so I wanted to throw this idea out because I think it's fascinating and it's going to sound guys, it's going to sound really crazy. I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying whatever. I'm just giving you some information and I'm open-minded enough to think about it and how it might've been different and how that might've been. Maybe, maybe it was cool. I don't know. So he talks about this idea of partable paternity, which is what many hunter gatherer societies believed that, uh, that a baby belonged to the accumulation of the folks that the woman had sex with over time. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't after one uh, intercourse that a woman got pregnant. It was after the accumulation of, mm-hmm. you know, the bodily fluids of multiple men. So if a right. woman wanted a man, a baby that's strong and intelligent and, you know, good at hunting, you know, whatever, she would have sex with each of those men in hopes that her child would be that way. But here's the other part of this, and this is the point that I'm getting to. Keep Stay with me, guys. I know it sounds crazy, all right? Here's the crazy part, though. The crazy part is and what we think is crazy, but I think it's kind of cool. The, the good part about that, or my judgment of the good part about that, is that everybody in the community took ownership of the children, that, that were in the community. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like, oh, I don't have any responsibility for that child because that child came out of that guy's loins. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, we all share in the participation of creating this child. We're all going to share in raising the child together. And it makes, it takes a lot of, I, I imagine it would take a lot of pressure off of, you know, a two unit raising of a child system right? and make things a little bit less stressful and give the child a lot of opportunities for positive role models in their lives. I just think it's a fascinating thing to think about. It takes a village to raise a child. <laughs> they didn't say that for nothing, man. But isn't that interesting that that's, yeah. The, and they it said, is. I think, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the community part is I, I think what's really attractive about that because, uh, just as you were pointing out earlier, you know, we don't really have a, a lot of community. And so obviously people having to turn to the internet or to, as you're saying, this new app just mm-hmm. to find friends. So raising right. children, you definitely, um, is helpful to have community. Yes. Yes. And it seems like in their time, that was not an issue. Um, so it's kind of cool. I I'm enjoying like just being open to those ideas. There was something else that was really powerful that you shared with me this week. Ah, yes. Party. Right. This was from The Guardian. Um, It's a little bit of an, this was written uh, back in like 2007. But the point of this article talks about, it really is a great article, guys, to summarize uh, Eric Fromm's philosophy. Mm -hmm. Um, This uh, author, it's Neil Clark, you can see that on the screen, talks about uh, all of the ideas that we it, he talk about with Fromm, but he makes it very concise. You know, what Fromm's mm-hmm. belief is, bottom line is that Fromm is for healthy human beings over a healthy economy. The whole mm-hmm. having and being um, yes. principle. And it's really, it's it's great. So it kind of, to me, if you're curious, like, oh, what does Eric Fromm stand for exactly? I'm sure you've been listening to us, but this article summarizes it really well. Yeah. 
And um, he actually, what's great about the article, he actually talks about the um, solutions that Frome gives that we've talked about in our podcast uh, in another episode a while back. Um, brings up the books of Eric Frome, like The Sane Society, The Art of Loving. Uh, it's, it's a great article. I really think if you guys should check it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he really does do a great job of um, summarizing Frome and mm -hmm. um, his ideas. And I think it's really neat that he <laughs> puts it in the frame of reference of like a political party. And really, uh, yeah. you know, basically it's let's put human beings back at the center, kind of right. like where they were in the 17th and 18th century capitalism, kind of. And we talked about that in the last episode about how um, in 17th and 18th century capitalism, there was a sense of respect for each other and not um, trying to outsell each other business amongst businesses um, and that the human was really at the center. And it was like for the needs of the people was why capitalism was happening. And we're going to talk today about mm -hmm. what happens in the 19th century. Uh, man gets lost. Human beings lose being the center. Um, yeah, they do. Uh, it starts to become business and production that happens yeah. in the 19th century where human beings aren't in the center, as you're saying which yeah. is going to be a shift to what, um, to kind of what we know today. We're going towards that direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he does, he begins it by talking about the exploitation of the worker, um, which we're familiar mm -hmm. with, but it's, it's really interesting how slowly you see this change where all of a sudden, you know, it's going to be someone seeking, it's going to be that each one seeks his own profit and that's a capitalistic principle that kind yeah. of starts guiding um, guiding us uh, in the 19th century. And this wow. is when he starts talking about the market, which we all know that the market drives what we do. Um, one of the first times that I'm hearing about, like previously on the other uh, 17th and 18th, we weren't hearing about the market, but here from brings up uh, how the market is the prime regulator Hmm. of capitalism. Interesting. Yeah. I don't, I haven't thought much on that specific, the market element of this. I think that's interesting and probably pretty integral. He, he also says the owner of capital was supposed to be morally right. If in the pursuit of profit, he mm -hmm. exploited to the maximum, the labor he hired. Wow. I mean, when you, when you hear it like that, it's like, that's horrible. That's crazy. But guys, that's yeah. what we do. That's exactly what we do. Yeah, that's what we do. Um, so, yeah, uh, what I brought up earlier is this exploitation of the workers. So when it comes to the market, the the statement that I find really uh, he tells it very well here is, while everybody believes himself to act according to his own interest, yeah. he is actually determined by the anonymous laws of the market. And of the economic machine. Yep. And the individual capitalist expands his enterprise, not primarily because he wants to, but because mm. he has to. Mm. That's the market. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, it's so funny because <laughs> I reread this today before we you know, came on. And I, this mm -hmm. totally reminded me of a situation this week. I 
was speaking to a gentleman who said that his company over the last year has grown literally in the like thousands of percent. Wow. Because of how relevant it was and is still now in light of COVID. And so it's just an example of how uh, this kind of takes control. He says, actually, as the business grows, one has to continue making it bigger, whether one wants to or not. Mm-hmm. In this function of the economic law, which operates behind the back of man and forces him to do things without giving him the freedom to decide. This guy's company is exploding and he can't think about your company mo- growing so fast at the thousands of percentile rate mm-hmm. and you can't keep up with it. That's so stressful. Yeah. And it okay. has it, everything to do with something outside of him and nothing to do with what he has inside of him that he wants that business to be. Do you see so, what I'm so saying? So this person, yeah, that you're talking to, how does he feel about it growing so quickly? Well, he's stressed the hell out. That's how okay. he feels. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, he's not exactly pleased with that growth. I mean, I think based on the way we do life, he probably is. You okay. know, consciously he is, but unconsciously it's very clear how stressful uh, it is because it's overwhelming because he's trying... There's not enough resources and help and time and, you know, right. there's so much demand and not enough effort for him to be able to put out to meet it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that that's what I think happens to some people. They don't expect that. And then it's overwhelming. Yes. Um, which is interesting because Fromm does talk about the, the actual needs uh, in a society and how we determine. He gets into the, I think... Um, how actually a lot of times production isn't related to necessarily the needs. It's just what is going, you know, what's going to be able to keep producing, producing for that money, for the profit. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's not about what serves man. It's about what's going to, you know, bring more production and consumption. Um the usefulness of the product to the consumer is not of interest to the individual capitalist at all. It just is like, it's essential for the capitalistic mode of production for there to be ongoing growth and increase and profit, you know? Right. And when you talked earlier about the exploitation, one of the exploitations would be the wages. So if the market bears, whatever that wage is, it might not be a wage that you can live on, but if that's what the market's, that's what the worker has to accept. That's one of the other issues with exploitation. Right. And that's a false sense of freedom, a false choice. Yes. Um, like, oh, it's like a false choice. Another example of a false choice is whenever you open an app and you need the app, let's say it's your banking app. I'm just making this up. And they say you have to agree because to our data sharing sure. you know, stuff. And you're like, I don't want you to share my data. But if I don't check the box, I can't use the app. And, and it's like, I got to use the app. Like, that's the way we do things now. So yeah. that's not a real choice. That's a false choice. And that's the same thing with the, you know, the exploitation of, and really we could use the word slavery. It's kind of a strong word, but it's kind of true. Yeah. Well, it's like you're saying the freedom of the individual is largely illusory. We just yes. think we have a freedom, but we don't really have the freedom, even though there's not an outer force. Um, mm-hmm. that compels us to do certain contracts. 
the market is actually operating behind our back is what he's saying. So mm -hmm. you have the belief and you're actually not. Yes. The other thing that I think is impactful is that there was hardly any sense of like human solidarity between the owner of capital and his workers. And I wonder, you know, if you guys that are listening think that that's still, you know, upon reflection, if you think that's still happening today, you know, it, it was like, it didn't matter about the humans. It just was like the, the law of economic of the economic jungle was supreme. Um, you know, they were seeking out the customer, trying to undersell the competitor um, and the competitive fight against equals was a ruthless and unrestricted. Um, and it, and that's exactly how the exploitation of the workers were ruthless and unrestricted. And so, I mean, it speaks to the, co the level of competition that we really kind of grew into. We, we started at that point to see each other, I believe, as entities to fight against, you know? Yeah, and you're right about the competition. The The market, it really rests on, upon the competition of many individuals. And he says man was driven by the desire to surpass his competitor, um, yep. thus reversing completely the attitude characteristic of the feudal age. Yes. That each one had in the social order his traditional place with which he should be satisfied. Mm -hmm. As opposed to the social stability in the medieval system, an unheard of social mobility developed in which everybody was struggling for the best places, even mm -hmm. though only a few were chosen to attain them. Yep. And that's where you really see, they say, you know, here he talks about the social and moral rules of human solidarity breaking down. Yep. And that's, that's what happens with the competition for sure. And let's let's contrast that to kind of what what I was talking about earlier with the hunter gatherer tribes, where it's everything is shared. So it's like we went from this starkly uh, egalitarian way of life to this starkly competitive way of life, mm -hmm. where we see each other as our own competition, as maybe even outsiders, as people that we need to one up and and be better be better than and i wonder how that affects our human relations i mean it definitely affects our human relations yeah it definitely does like you said there's the then you do have that loss of community and that idea i i think it's more of the model of you know who can gain the most who can be at the top and we know that what drives that is profit and yeah. so one of the things that Fromm talks about is the problem is that our motive uh, for production is not social usefulness, mm -hmm. not satisfaction in the work process, but the profit derived from investment. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. And that's the profit motive. I mean, I think the other part of this that I thought about a lot too is, you know, when you have corporations um, and Fromm discusses this, you've got the workers on the bottom, right? Or making a certain wage, but as you go further up, then you have the shareholders who are making millions of dollars, and their amount of work is yeah. like very small compared to what the workers actually doing. Yes, isn't that this interesting, ironic thing that in our society we like to say how awful it is for people to be quote unquote lazy and not work, but yes. It's okay for certain people in these types of positions 
to be lazy, but it's not lazy. You know, I don't know what it is, but, but that's basically the same thing of not working. It's not working, but still make lots of money and they are not doing the effort. They're making lots of money as a result of other people's work. Yes. Work. And, and I think the, the point, that from makes is that you know we're the this capitalist mode this specific mode that he's talking about in century it's just driven ever expanding like you have to keep growing and i'll yeah. give you an example when i used to work uh, in a corporation you know you have these meetings and so every year they would talk about growth and i remember thinking well what happens if one year you don't grow like it, it's it's this never ending mm. uh, growth idea but I'm yeah. thinking, well, isn't there like an end point or do we always have to be growth, growth, growth? But what's driving that mm-hmm. is the need for the profit and to have ever increasing profits. And those yeah. profits are going to the shareholders that are at the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what drives that also, the, the idea that we need to keep, you know, increasing that profit. And, you know, as a result, I was kind of, synthesizing this information and I was like okay so what this is telling me is in the 19th century society was built on a couple of values um maybe more but a couple that we're reading here or seeing here one of them was competition and the other one was you could okay we could say profit but really it's a it's another level it's really greed because it wasn't uh, it was so much more about profit than it was about profit, but let's make sure we take care of ourselves in the process. You know, it got, it went beyond that. So I was like, sure. wow, these were the values of the, of the society because capitalistic, the capitalistic, uh, in a capitalistic society, as we mentioned in the previous episode, mm-hmm. uh, the mode of production is so intensely linked with our survival that it becomes such a determinant of uh, how we live our lives. And right. so this is a huge value of, you know, of the way people lived in the 19th century. Yeah. I like here what he says, you know, when I was telling you that you could be an owner of an enterprise, it says mm-hmm. it does not make any difference whether he owns the whole enterprise or only a share of it. In each case, he makes a profit from his capital and from the work of others without having to make any effort himself. Mm-hmm. And that yep. that's a, a really, he goes, does a really good example um, also that within capitalist, capitalism, I'm sorry, um, mm-hmm. the fact is that it permits the making of profits without personal effort and productive function, which I was talking about earlier. And yep. then he also talks about uh, comparing the people that are doing performing their services. He p- compares a school teacher to like a physician. And the fact that school teacher's earnings are but a fraction of those of a physician, in spite of the fact that her social function is of equal importance and her personal effort hardly less. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he's saying, even as far as those who do work and perform services, their income is not in any reasonable correlation to the effort that they make. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I think that's what people are struggling with today is the fact that the, um, it's out of balance in my opinion. And, and, you know, we can say that with a lot of different jobs that it, it's irrelevant of a person's individual effort. If that position is a low paying position, mm-hmm. you could put in a lot of effort and you could put in a lot of work, but you're not going to be rewarded for that. Right. But you could be someone like 
he's staying that has, you know, share in a company and be making millions of dollars. And the amount of uh, effort you're putting in is, is, uh, is very low. Um, and so it's, to me, that's what really mm -hmm. makes people have a bad taste in their mouth about capitalism because there's, there's this inequality. That's how I would describe it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's in need of some boundaries and some uh, adjustments. I mean, I, I, I don't want, um, I don't want listeners to think that we're sitting here, you know, uh, saying capitalism is horrible and we don't need to capitalism. We're just like being open-minded and uh, critical in the way that we are approaching learning about capitalism and what it is, but also just being willing to say, Hey, how can we, do it and make it better or how can we make things better whatever that looks like you know yeah i would say lacy that it's a critique okay and a critique mm. means that we look at the evolution mm. of how we got here and as you're saying obviously there's people they're very you know pro capitalist and and i would say i am too because that's the country i live in and that's the the world i live in i'm not saying we go to this other form of that we know, for instance, extreme socialism or communism. But what we're saying is, mm -hmm. although we have a capitalistic society, we need to analyze how we got from where we started to where we are now. And yeah. I think what Fromm says too, is that we want to look at human beings. Not Do we want to look at a good economy or, or healthy human beings or a healthy economy? And I agree mm -hmm. with him. I'd rather have healthy human beings. And I would even venture to say that we can have both. It doesn't That's, have yeah. to be one or the other. We I can agree. have both. And it's just about adjusting the values of our society. And, and speaking of that, you know, as I was reading the sections where it was talking about um, competition as a value, basically, and, you know, uh, profit as a value, I thought, okay, what could be some values that we could replace uh, these with and that would bring more well-being for us. And I thought, okay, well, one of the things that I've noticed that I feel like really brings a higher quality of life um, is enjoyment. Uh, and some people might think, Lacey, why do you think that's important? Let me tell you something. It's uh, something that we all want and need as humans to enjoy life. Um, I would say that people are much more motivated to do something that they enjoy. And it's just part of our makeup to, to enjoy, you know, you go to the mountains, you want to enjoy seeing the beautiful scenery, right? Mm. You go to downtown Atlanta, you don't enjoy, you don't want to go see a building that's beat up and trashed and whatever. Right. right. So I think if we made enjoyment a little bit more important, that could help balance the society right. a bit. And I would say too, that when we are doing our form of work, whatever that is, that contributing, being a contributor, you know, mm. to, to benefiting others is really a feeling of um, like giving back and it, it makes one feel better, you know, like you, you matter, like what you're doing has meaning. Yes. So whatever yeah. that work is or job or, or, you know, activity that you're engaging in, if, one feels like you're giving back to your society or to your fellow human being. There's, mm -hmm. you know, fulfillment in that also. Yes. Yes. And then another thought I had was what if healthy, healthy was part of our, our values. 
okay, well, it's not healthy for people to work 60 hours a week. No. So we would adjust, right? It's not healthy for, you know, us to torture mentally ill people in prison because they're mentally ill. That's not healthy. Yeah. You know, it's not healthy to uh, be in a relationship where you're disrespected. You see, so if we made health a, a higher value versus profit, then that could offset some of what capitalism is doing. It's like off the rails, capitalism, whatever, kill right. whatever in the process, yeah. just make profit. And I want to point out that I'm pro money. And that's why we're both pro UBI, universal basic income. Yes. I'm sure it's, it's a more mainstream idea because the idea is you're putting money into everyone's hands. And the, I like the idea of you're going to the baker, you're going to your local communities and that you're reinvesting in your community. You're yes. going to the market, you're going to someone who has a shop. And so that circulates, that's helping everyone. And of course yes. we all need a certain amount of money to survive. And it doesn't seem equitable that only certain people are going to, you know, have their basic needs met. And there's others that are really struggling to just pay rent. Yes. To me, that's, that's, that's a huge disparity. Basic income is 100% a capitalistic idea. 100%. It's not like people, when they get the money, they're going to go bury it in the ground or burn it. They're going to spend it, guys. <laughs> they're going to spend it. So it's, you know, and even if they put it in the bank, that's still stimulating the economy. It's adding a sense of security, which helps people, you know, not be in this headspace of anxiety, which helps them be more present in the moment, which helps mm -hmm. them be helps a, them better able to better connect. Parent, better, uh, you know, relationships, better everything. Better yes. Things, yes. Yeah. yes. It's, and, and it doesn't disappear either. It circulates through the economy. Whenever I get a cookie, buy a cookie from you, Sonia, what do you do with that money? Yeah, I go out and spend it on my, you know, the things I need or whatever. Yeah. Or my yeah. produce or however I need to use it. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's a highly capitalistic uh, idea. And it's definitely something that we both believe in very strongly. And I think it's another solution. And I think, you know, Frome said this, and I think we both echo this. It's like, it's not about um, destroying and starting all over a certain way of life per se. It's about finding solutions that fit within the yes. current structure and, and evolving and, and using the brilliant minds that we have to figure those things out and make these changes. Um, that's kind of like the sweet spot. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, Lacey. It's a, this is a, a journey, actually, reading this and seeing how we have evolved to this point. And we're going to keep moving forward on this chapter. It's a long one, but it's going to be good, guys. Yes, this section of on 19th century capitalism is pretty substantial. So this is going to be a, a series. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is so interesting to read through this, excuse me, and learn about a little bit of the history of capitalism and, and kind of how that all plays a role. Yeah. And I'd love to hear what other people think, you know, what maybe they think differently. Maybe they agree with from, maybe they're going to challenge, but we'd love to hear um, feedback from you guys. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll post uh, clips from the episode on Instagram. So we welcome you guys to comment 
Hi, Chris Alexander. <laughs> Faithful friend who's always here with us. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to post some clips to the Instagram. So we want to invite you to comment on them, um, share your thoughts and how relevant you think this all is. And if you agree and if you disagree, we obviously love to hear from you guys and appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you listening to us. Yeah. It's awesome. Thanks yeah. everybody. Cool. Well, uh, that's going to be it for this episode. We are super happy to have had you and we look forward to having you next time on the rethinking humanity podcast. Bye guys. Bye, guys.